Welcome in, flock and friends, to another episode of Talkin' Flock, your full Mingo podcast. It is I, Rob Chapel, your host, and along with me today, the busiest man in Wisconsin sports podcasting, Kyle Carr. How you doing, Kyle? I, I'm doing all right. It's one of those weird feelings where it's like, okay, things are still relatively calm, and in a month, I'm going to have a completely different answer. Everything's going to be flying all over the place. <laughs> so, Buck season yeah, will be right storm. around the corner. I'm going to be like, oh, that's a lot more work that I have to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're going to enjoy our September. Exactly. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit of soccer. But before we do that, um, wherever you're listening to this, give us a sub- subscribe, follow, like, whatever you do. Uh, where you're listening to this, uh, give us a rating and a review. It helps other people find us, and uh, more people hear our, the dulcet tones of our voices and our insightful analysis of Ford Madison Football Club. Uh, before we get into this game, which is this this game we're going to talk about, was frustrating, right? It was, it was a, a game. It was a game. Yeah, yes, of all the games of this weekend, it was, this was certainly one. Um, and uh, it was it was it, it was frustrating afterwards, and we were able to, I think, find some positives in it. And we'll get into that. Uh, first a piece of news from the league. We finally got official word that there will be a new um, team in uh, Portland, in Portland, Maine. Finally. 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 We've been the... talking about this for like two years, three years, right? <laughs> it's been one of those where I've always joked that this actually is never going to happen because they had <laughs> the clothing line with the league. I think back in 2021, like it was a couple of years ago, they had this yeah. clothing line for Portland, Maine, and then just went silent. Uh-huh. And it was kind of one of those running jokes, like Portland's never going to happen. It was actually a Ponzi scheme. It, it, it was just a fashion <laughs> brand thing. Yeah, it, It's not actually happening. And then to hear it be announced, it is kind of nice, though, to get that going. That's one of those markets that's always been rumored. Um, mm-hmm. and, nice and, and geographically speaking, it's not the Southeast. You know, it's I, I was going to say, it is not in the Carolinas, so that's already <laughs> an improvement for me. Um, I I will glad I will not oppose a trip to Portland, Maine. I'm sure it's nice, especially, like, I'm sure in the fall, like, a map. Is oh, yeah, it'd be a beautiful be nice. trip to New England in the fall. So, yeah. uh, you know, I did, I, I feel dumb not for knowing, for not knowing this, but did they say when they're going to enter the league? 22 years? 2025? Uh, 2020, 2025, yeah. Right. Not that, that'll be their first year. Right, which and, uh, isn't completely surprise. I feel like it would have been no. ambitious to try and mm-hmm. pretty much get a whole th- a club going in like six months. Right, right. And most most clubs announced and uh, like Santa Barbara announced last year, and they're going to enter next year. So that uh, makes sense as a timeline. So uh, we'll keep track on that, and they'll and probably next year this time they'll be announcing their branding and their crest and all that stuff. Um, the other piece of news I wanted to mention is this Thursday. It's the third. Installment of the Henny Derby, which doesn't matter in terms of Henny Derby because we already won it. Kyle will keep the Henny uh, for this year. We will keep it. Uh, and uh, but uh, but it's an important match in terms of playoff, uh, you know, implications. We'll get to that in a little bit. But it's also uh, a fundraiser for an organization called Black Girl Magic, which is a very cool organization here in Madison that supports um, the education and um, you know empowerment of Black girls, mostly like middle school and high school age. Uh, so if you, there's a link, you can buy tickets to the match, uh, that will benefit Black Girl Magic. Um, and we'll put that link in the show notes for you. Uh, so that's uh, pretty cool. And it's pretty cool that that is happening, coinciding with the Henny Derby, which is, you know, black fan led created thing. Right. So, uh, so that's this Thursday. So let's jump into this really frustrating match, which ended zero, zero. 
Which there, are, there, are, there are draws that feel like a win. The last time we had a draw against Fuego, it felt like a win because we came back from down 4-2 and died at 4-4, and it was very exciting. This one felt like a little bit of a loss because we felt like this was a team that we should have done better against. Um, there was a flurry of red cards at the end that was wild. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but what do you? Uh, what are your? What are your takeaways, Kyle? What are the, what's the big picture after this? After this match, I. It's one of those where, in the grand scheme of things, a draw doesn't necessarily hurt, right? But yeah. it it does feel like a missed opportunity. Um, yes, yes, for a team because I mean, Ford Madison have struggled the last month. You know, losing. Mm-hmm. They lost pretty badly to Chattanooga. They had lost two games previously. Were it not for a late flurry, we're looking at a team that's coming into Saturday on a four-game losing streak. Yes. Um. So to get in this game in particular, I, w- I was saying when I'm walking nine right before, it's like, if you win this game, you create a five-point gap and you have a game in hand. And that's huge. Not just for your playoff chances, but just for the morale. And, mm-hmm. I mean, a draw didn't hurt because you didn't – Knoxville still didn't gain ground on you, which is good. And then with that draw, along with Greenville's loss, you act, they actually moved up in the table. So in the grand scheme of things, it's not bad. Like it's okay, but it definitely feels like this was a really good opportunity to really do something. And especially considering what happens in the game. And that feels like that was two points dropped. Like in that moment, I was like, okay, clean sheet and a point that's what I'll take. But in, but reality, it's like, that was two points they could have gotten mm-hmm. and just failed to do so. Yeah. And it was, a, it was another, um, another case of not finishing chances, right? It was the, the, the whole, um, well, that's before we get ahead of ourselves. It was, it was nineties night. So I did wear my, as, as, as promised, wear my 1991 high school. I had jersey. a jean jacket on. So I, I had a jean jacket at Air Force yes. One. So <laughs> you were in it. Um, also, I didn't know this until I was on the way to the game, but the, the marching band from the college where I spent most of the 90s was there. The UW Platteville marching band was the entertainment for halftime, which is awesome. Um, and they were helping in the flock end with the drumming and everything. Oh, um, fantastic. They were, yeah, they were yeah, they're cool. Awesome. Um, so uh, Timmy Mel out injured. We don't know exactly in what fashion he's injured, but Sam Brotherton was in. Uh, obviously no Martinez. So it was Andrew wheeler Amanu and Ed Macias in the midfield and the normal duo of Chaney and Onan up top, Payne and Gebhardt on the wings. So not no big shakeup in the starting 11, except for Timmy Mel being out. Uh, but Sam Brotherson is always a good, um, solid replacement for him. Now, early on, there were some – we looked pretty bright in the first 15, 20 minutes, right? Like there were some pretty inventive chances, but those chances did not even result in shots, much less goals. Like they were <clears> – <throat> Knoxville was very compact defensively and was pretty much snuffing us out when we were <clears throat> getting into the box, right? Yeah, and it was one of those where it kind of seemed like, especially because Knoxville didn't have Jalen Chrysler starting, I think they're looking at that and saying, let's go at them, you know, try and take advantage of one of the best center, like one of the best center backs in the league, not starting. And they did try and do a little bit more direct, which we've seen this out of Madison. You know, they, they do tend to try and catch teams early. I mean, that's what we saw against Tormenta when Cheney scored in 17 seconds. We've seen this time and time again, where they're really trying to get that early goal kind of set the tone and then maybe after that it's like okay let's be more meticulous let's be mm-hmm. let's look for the let's try and 
create the chance instead of just like going at a full speed, which again, makes sense considering the tactics of everything. But it was one where there was a couple of good attempts. There was good ideas of passes and whether Knoxville just got to it right at the last second, Sean Lewis was more like Sean Lewis was just doing a good job at reading it or if it was just a block shot or something. It was it was still encouraging to see, especially mm-hmm. given that okay, they are they they are playing with kind of that urgency. Yeah, that was nice to see, and and it was uh, early on, especially as you said, they were trying to go direct. They were not doing the sort of deliberate build up that they often like to do. They were trying to get long balls in behind. They were you know, and it, it like I said, it did result. There was I'm, I can remember one uh, specific sequence in the. Um, you know, in the uh, about the 17th minute, I think there was like a, a really creative, unpredictable uh, couple of passes in the box that that, to their credit, Knoxville didn't let themselves get disorganized and um, and they, they defended really well. But then, you know, once once that for 20 minutes was up, Knoxville started to grow into the game a little bit, and you could see that um, and it, it, there were some nerve wracking moments in these last you know three matches, giving up 11 goals. Anytime Knoxville wanders into our box, you start to hold your breath a little bit. And um, we talked with Matt after the match, Matt Glazer, and uh, and he said that that the the priority, even the priority, is an understatement. Like the only thing they really worked on all <laughs> week was was defending, right, and and like getting back to those fundamentals. And you can tell. I mean, they it, they looked like that back line that we've seen earlier in the year um, in the few chances that Knoxville had. Um, Nashville ended the game with only like three shots on target. So, you know, the, the defending was, was much improved, which is that if you're going to take any positive out of this match, that was it. Right. Well, now it's kind of like one of the biggest issues with this team slump. It was just yeah. what happened to this team defensively. It was just, it seemed like a collection of either individual errors or just disorganization. You know, they allow four goals, the Tormenta, four goals, the Fuego, three goals, and Chattanooga. And you're just thinking, where is this defending? Like, where is the stout defense that had carried this team for the majority of the season? That was kind of one of those things where, and I was thinking, you know, if this team's going to improve, it's going to have to start on the defensive side. So to see that that was the focus and training and it does pay off, you know, only allowing three shots on target only, you know, like I think there was a couple shots that were blocked as well, Mm -hmm. you know, just general successful at tackling. I think they had like 71%. Uh, tackle mm-hmm. success rate like they were a lot more focused on that and it is kind of encouraging to see like okay now they hopefully this is not just a one-off and that this trend can continue for that rest of the year because if madison wants to do anything whether it's make the playoffs or make a run in the playoffs it's gonna have to start with a defensive i mean it's gonna have to start a defense i i always say you can't lose a game if you don't allow a goal you might not win, but you definitely won't lose. <laughs> right. And and that's that's kind of I think that was the sense I got talking to Matt after the game and just watching the even even you know much of the game, um, you could kind of sense that they were that, that, that they were just like had that same attitude that if we do not allow a goal, we will not lose and we'll be on the right path going forward, right? Like um let's let's not try to, we don't need to score four goals, but we just need to not concede any. And mm-hmm. and they were they, they successfully did that. So that was uh, you know, if you're going to take any positive, that's it. Now they did um, when they were trying to uh, get forward. <clears throat> there was a lot of time spent on the right side, a lot of Stephen Payne, um, <clears throat> which we've seen all year. He was slinging in crosses, 25 crosses, 
not just from him, but the, the on the team, 25 yeah. across. That's a lot. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like we're more successful when we're trying to be you know, a little bit more direct and more through balls and things like that. Um, I, I don't know that we've been super uh, successful at all playing those, you know, into the corner and the crosses, but that seemed to be the game plan. And, and, you know, you got Stephen Payne to do that. So why not? Um, <clears throat> now there's not a lot of other moments to talk about because there just weren't any goals. There weren't very many shots either side. It was a pretty defensive battle as you'd expect in a zero zero match. Um, <clears throat> Derek Waldeck um, <laughs> late, late in the first half, um, Derek Gibbard picks his pocket and starts and, and he, grabbed Derek's arm and pulled him back to prevent a break. That's easy yellow card. Yeah. Five minutes of game time later, you know, two or three minutes in the second half, he does almost exactly the same thing again to Derek Gebhardt and the ref has no choice, but to send him off. So you're feeling like, okay, it's like the 50th minute and we're up a man. We might actually win this thing. And then we did very little with it, <laughs> with the man advantage just could not, um get much going I, there, there was a it, we felt a little bit energized for like i don't know seven eight minutes right after that there were some chances but um but knoxville really kind of packed it in for a little bit and absorbed that pressure and then they started to uh feel like they weren't really at much of a disadvantage even a man down yeah and that was kind of the thing that i, I think if there's going to be a big frustration it was that i mean knoxville has been a very good team defensively they have had yeah. one of the better defensive they're one of the better defensive teams in this league so it's not surprising that they were able to still be compact to still have a shape to still be able to limit the chances uh-huh. i mean this is that's part is not surprising but the frustrating thing is with the talent that ford madison has an attack and with the attacking capability we've seen it just felt kind of more like a throwback where <laughs> just kind of passing the ball around and there's not that many it, it didn't feel like they knew like where they should go. Even like it, right. it was kind of one of those that didn't feel like a man up until there's a set piece. And then it's kind of a, all right, you have an extra man. Can you get, and we see later on Cheney does have that chance at the end. Yeah. But it felt like if you're going to like, as the game went on, if the, anything was going to happen, it was going to be from a set piece, which is not encouraging when you are <laughs> up a man for basically right. the whole second half. Right. Yeah. No, that was, that was discouraging. The lack of chances with a man up. And uh, uh, yeah, it just, it just, I, I don't know. It was frustrating. Um, Sean Lewis did have some good saves. I mean, later, uh, not in that little, that sort of seven, eight minutes after that red card, but um, you know, Knoxville started to get forward, even a man down. They got a couple, they, they probed into our box a couple of times. Um, we, we had a pretty, one pretty good chance about the 77th or so Cheney, uh, had a, a massive chance about three minutes in the stoppage time, mm-hmm. which, by the way, um, you jokingly tweeted, this match is going to have 11 minutes of stoppage time. And then it did, literally 11 minutes of stoppage time. I saw that. Uh, I was on a capital stand, and I, was, and I think right before I went up there, I tweeted that. And then when it got there, someone's like, 11 minutes, like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, <laughs> but was, I wasn't surprised, but I was, I, I was surprised I was right. I was not surprised, surprised how, how accurately your tweet, <laughs> you because tweeted. of how many stoppages there were between injuries yeah. and cards yeah. and yep. a couple of uh, scuffles. Let's just say yeah. uh, it was not surprising. There was going to be that much time. And yeah. And they, um, 
It was a uh, 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 Andrew Wheeler. I'm gonna went down. Uh, got a yellow card for um, who was it? Was that was that Kelly? Was it Rosales Kelly that got the yellow card for? The, yes, the head like on the, the more or less headbutt head on the head. Yeah, um, and uh, he was and Wheels was down for a little while, and there was a couple other injuries, and then the, of course the yellow card to Waldeck was. There were some discussions after that. So, but anyway, three minutes into that establish time, Christian Cheney is one on one with Sean Lewis. Um, Lewis makes uh, just a massive save. Um, Morris Acero had a had a, a reasonable chance that he shanked like ninety yards into the air, which is kind of what he always does. Um, I don't know. <laughs> we'll talk more about him in a little bit. Um, now, let's get to these red cards because there's I think there's obviously a lot to discuss here. Um, Cheney had a yellow from the first half, right? Yes. Uh, so 85th. Oh, minute. no, early in the second, not, not it was in, yeah, early right, in the earlier. second. Yeah. Earlier in the match. Anyway, he was already on a yellow. Um, and uh, th- there, he did have a foul in the 85th minute in the box where he's, he's going up to head a ball and he uh, caught somebody in the head um, with an elbow, N- nothing malicious. It was appropriately called a foul probably, but that could have been a second yellow if the ref was, you know, so we kind of got away with that one. Very similar, um, you know, several minutes in the stoppage time, he goes up for a ball. And to me, this foul by itself is not a yellow card. Yeah. I don't know if you agree, um, but he's, he's, the ball is up in the air. It's sort of similar to the one Jake Carl got sent off a couple weeks ago um, where the ball is up in the air. Both players are looking up to the ball. Both players, by the laws of the game, have a right to the ball, right? You have a right to go up to the ball, and if you run into somebody while you're doing that, that's usually not a foul. Um, he Cheney does go up, and he's a big guy, right? And he's a tough player, so he does get his arms out a little bit and and catches the guy in the head with, the, with an elbow. Now, that um, was, called, was called a foul right away, and Cheney was shown a yellow card, which was the second, and then the red, like a minute later. So my incorrect tweet at the time was, I thought he was complaining about having been called for a foul and got a yellow card for dissent because it just took so long to show the yeah. card. So that something must have happened because I was like, he didn't set him up for that foul, so he must, must have been. But it seems to have actually been the foul and just it took him a minute to talk it over with the um, with the assistant referee. Um, <clears throat> but also in his discussion with Morrow, it looked like the referee was kind of indicating that it might have been just like for persistent infractions, like that. You know, he was like kind of pointing like he did there and he did there. So it might have been just like the referee was thinking like, okay, that's that, you. You keep hitting guys. That's enough. I'm going to send you off now, which is a really BS thing to do in stoppage time. It's definitely real. one of those where, in a game like in that state at that time, another yellow seems harsh when both yeah. of the players are going up for the ball. And I think that was yeah. on a corner too. So it's, it, it is a set piece and yeah. it, those things yeah. are going to happen. Right. So it did feel harsh to truly say like, yes, that is going to be a ye- second yellow card. And for me, I didn't know Cheney had a yellow card in the first half what, during the match itself. Oh, uh, So I see he, he got a red card and I was like, what? And I see a player down, but I was like, what, what did he do to get a red card? And that was kind of one of those things where, 
we're all confused because everyone's like, oh, there's a red card. And then we see Cheney walking off. And then we weren't sure if it was a bench as well. And we we're just like, this is weird. So, mm-hmm. but re-watching it, it is, I think it probably was like the persistent, like he did that just a couple minutes earlier and maybe the ref figured, okay, I let you off the first time and I can't let you continue doing this. And Ed said to him, I don't know. Yeah. It felt harsh to do in that stoppage time at that point. I, so I think that's where it's coming from. I, I think it is two players going for the ball and one of them, unfortunately, did get a blow to the head. And, and I mean, it stinks because you don't want that to happen, but I don't think there was any malicious intent or any no. intent for it to be a yellow card in general. No, no malicious intent. I think you're right. No, I think if it, if it was for persistent infraction, I think that's, that's fair, I suppose. Um, especially... And, and, and talking to Keith Timmer after the match, um, you know, he wasn't really complaining about the referees. He's just saying like they, they what we what we're missing in this league are the the conversations the, yeah. away from the play. Like, was there a, did the referee say after that 85th minute foul? Did the referee pull you know say hey, hey Christian Cheney you got to settle down a little bit just keep your arms at your sides dude you know like just anything like that or like let's see that again i gotta send you off buddy you know the, that kind of conversation to kind of keep things under control that's um but keith feels like that's what's missing in this in this league and that's how games get out of control that yeah. there's not this sort of respectful we're all here to just play a game kind of conversations right now speaking of malicious intent in the uh you know the look on your face right now the uh the 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 immediate restart after that red card of Cheney, which took us several minutes, and that's why we end up with like 15 or 16 minutes of stoppage time because this is all being sorted out. Um, on the restart, uh, Lewis gets it over uh, to uh, who was it, McDowell? Um, yes, it was McDowell. Yeah, it was, it was Kyle McDowell. And Moro Sotero decides he's going to just hammer McDowell to the ground. I don't know why, what McDowell did wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what, what the retribution there was. Now, again, I incorrectly tweeted about this also because where I was standing at the other end line, um, uh, the, so the west end of the stadium, I was kind of behind the play, and it looked in real time, it looked like Mora was challenging for the ball, and it was a harsh collision. So I thought maybe that's the yellow. Looking at it from the other side where the cam- where the TV cameras are, there was no play for the ball. It was he ran full speed into McDowell. Threw an elbow and threw him to the ground. Like that is an easy straight red all day long. That was one where I saw it. Um, and from the flock end, that was one where I was yeah. like, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah, you were on the other end of the field. You had a much better game than I did. So yeah. And everyone and everyone in the flock end was kind of thinking the same thing. Like, why the yeah. hell did you do that? <laughs> right. What are you or doing? What? That was and that was, and it kind of felt again like just like the Chattanooga match previous, like the previous week. It's just like, where are your heads? <laughs> like where this is the second week in a row where you do something dumb. Like Stephen Payne committed that foul, then whatever after it. And the fact that he didn't get a red card after that was shocking. And then it's kind of like the same thing. Like, why are you doing it? Where is the composure? Where's your head? Like there yeah. was, that was just a frustration boiled over. And I, I that one, I was just like, I can't defend that one. <laughs> No, no, neither, and, and I can't either. And and I, I was, you know, and a lot of people, or several people, responded to my tweet saying, "No, you should watch it again because it was bad." <laughs> and I agree, it was. Uh, and that, and it's an easy call, and, and and you know, he'll be out. Obviously, him and Cheney both will be out. 
against Richmond, and I am not sure Morris Acero will. Um, I don't. I don't know if he's going to play again for us because um, that was just Matt said early in the season, before the season even started. But no, before last season even started, um, we asked him on this show, "What kind of guys do you like?" And he said he likes guys that aren't afraid to step on some feet. You know, he wanted scrappy, gritty. Um, that wasn't scrappy or gritty. That was just pretty cynical. Right. I was going to say, like, scrappy or gritty, that, that's one thing. To play uh-huh. with a little bit more of an edge, the, there is nothing wrong with that to be a little bit right. more physical. But there is nothing that – those are the kind of plays where it's just like – that's just re- – it's just reckless. And I'm right. assuming I, – I wouldn't be surprised if it's one – I know the league normally gives a one-game suspension. This might be a two or three. I don't know how many games he's going to be out for. If he's out for three, that's half the remaining games at that's, that point. That's actually a point. I hadn't even thought about um, season, you know, league suspension. But, um, you know, he's – moreover, he's a big guy. Uh, he's a big presence in the box, which is nice to have. Um, but every uh, shot he takes is 40 yards in the air. And, uh, you know, he's, he, they slotted him into the, at the six spot one time and he didn't look particularly comfortable there. He just kind of didn't know where to be. Um, and, uh, so, you know, he's, I'm not sure that he's adding a lot to the lineup right now. And, um, if he's going to act like that is actually a liability. Yeah. So, and it, it is one of those things. I mean, I know like John Pascarella was saying like, he, it, it's what he's not doing on the, it's kind of his off ball. That was what was so valuable which mm-hmm. I can see that, but it is kind of one of those now where at the same time, it's like, yes, I'm sure he does provide something off the ball, but at the same time, like you are a striker. You, you <laughs> need to be scoring goals and providing goals and like yeah, setting, right. like you do, that is still like the main part of your role on the team is yeah. to do that. So when you're not bringing that aspect as well, it's like, okay, well, what are you doing that Nazim Bartman can't do? What are you doing that Jaden right. Onan is not doing? Like those two guys with how they're playing, it's like what they're just doing what they need to do at a higher level than what Morrow is. And it's kind of, that is one of those where it's like, yeah, I get late in the game, tall body, you're up a man, get a set piece. I, I see that, but at the end of the day, it is kind of tough. And I, I don't know what's going to happen for him the rest of the season. If Francis Batiste, you know, starts on Thursday and starts crushing it, maybe we'll see him uh, more free, prominent. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's a that's a that's actually a good question. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. Let's finish up talking about this guys, but then we got to yeah. talk about Richmond and who's going to be playing. Um, the 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 stats on this one. I mean, you think about, I mean, you think about just the eye test. Derek looks good. Stephen Payne looks great uh, as on the wing, at least, um, Onan was, you know, causing havoc for uh, some period of time. Cheney has some great shots. So like the guys individually looked pretty good. Um, Jake Kroll got forward a couple of times looking really good. Um, he had a chance, and, uh, well, quote unquote chance kind of near the end, um, yep. as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I think like the final kick of the match. almost. And, and we talked about the defending, you know, uh, Brotherton, Osmond and Kroll and, uh, you know, the three at the back, um, were unassailable. They did great. Um, the stats, if you look at the stats, it's not wasn't terrible. 86% passing accuracy, which is that's about where you want expect Madison to be. 15 shots, five of them on target. Um, you'd like to see more shots on target, obviously, but allowing only three after giving up 11 goals in three matches to, to limit Knoxville to only three shots. That's three shots on target. 
Um, you know, that's just a, such an improvement defensively. Like, I will take that 100%. Interestingly, the top rated player on FOTMOB was Sean Lewis, the Knoxville goalkeeper, which that's a little bit of cold comfort, but you can take something away from that that you really made their goalkeeper have a great game in order to keep that 0-0 draw. Yeah, it's kind of one of those where I figured it'd be one of the center backs on either side just because. Mm, yeah. I mean, because it was defensively kind of made some saves, but I'll, there was also times where it was like team efforts as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I figured it would have been one of the center backs just because. Yeah. I mean, neither team was really giving up a lot of clear cut chances. So I think that speaks highly to the defense of what you are able to provide. Yeah, both defenses were not only really um, athletic and, and reacting well, but just just really disciplined and organized. Like they're just there was no, there was no um, there's there's no time except for maybe Cheney's shot uh, in the deep in the stoppage time where you were like, okay, that was a massive chance that just that they just lost. You know, the like neither defense just allowed very much of anything, which is you know, I can it, it, I, I like a good defensive game, but um, I would have liked to see at least one goal. <laughs> Somebody, um, but a, a couple things that strike me about this match that you know we've talked about consistency a lot this year, and like when we put it all together, when we put together our our, our excellent um, sort of midfield passing and possession with our excellent defending and our uh, our opportunistic attack, like we that's when you get you grind out that one nil win over Richmond, you know or a, a two, one win here and there um, <clears throat> where when we put it all together, we have runs like we had in June, right. Where we had like four games in a row and we, or, or, or like unbeaten in six or seven games to start the season. Um, we just got to put all these things together, right? Like this, in these losses, we're scoring, you score twice. This team as defensively good as they are, <clears throat> they score twice. They ought to win. You know, a couple weeks ago we scored twice and lost four to two. So <laughs> we just got to put all of it together for these last um, these last six matches. And then the other thing, uh, people, especially like NBA fans, complain that the you know the, the, the they, it's not just about are you good in a in a particular game, but are you good over seven? months right and right now the teams that are showing that they're good for seven months are omaha north carolina you know can we we've been good for spells of time and we've been kind of mediocre for spans of time can we be good enough for this last push and and grind like the the ability to grind out a long season is is part of what it takes to be successful Mm -hmm. in this in professional sports um and can we do that? And we've got six games left to do it. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, At times, I think, are they just playing to the level of their competition? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because you don't lose a game. You get seven points against North Carolina. We're still, <laughs> it's still to be determined against NOCO, but they lost the first match. You haven't, in the two matches you played Omaha, you've gotten four points. You got a mm-hmm. point against Charlotte. You still have another matchup against them. You have four against Greenville. So you're doing relatively well in the teams that are in the playoff spot. So Mm -hmm. you would expect them to do better at the bottom half, but it's like you only got four points against Fuego. And again, it took a lot to get that one point. And the games were, they weren't necessarily super convincing. 
Chattanooga, you only get three. Lexington, that's still that, that one they've done pretty well. They've gotten four, and they still have to play them again. You yep. only get two points against Knoxville, three points against Tormenta in the three times you played them. Richmond is the exception. You have six so far. But yep. it does feel as though when they're playing a team, I've, it's kind of like they bring more of it. And I think that's yeah. where I'm, I'm both optimistic and worried because it's like, okay, <laughs> you, you should be, you got to win the games against Fuego and Chattanooga. You can't just walk away only getting two wins out of the six games you play them. Like, right. That's, that's insane. You got to, you got to do better than that. So, and I mean, I think I saw, I uh, like Madison historically have always struggled at the end of each year. It's like, I think it was yeah. on our rankings, which I normally try not to give too much attention to, but I saw it. Right. I was like, okay, this is interesting. And it says through the final 10 matches of each season, Madison won 60% of the games in 2019, 43 in 2020, 40 in 2021, only 20 last year. And at the rate they're going, it might only be 17% this year. And that is one of those where does that grind? And I mean, I know the guys over at New Dogma were talking about this as well. Like, is having mm-hmm. a smaller squad, this is the potential mm-hmm. risk, is you're definitely running in a bit more fatigued, a bit more tired. It is starting to pile up. But at the same time, Matt brought in players that should know what that is like. Matt brought in guys that are familiar enough with this league to know what it takes to kind of get to that final to handle to you know be able to weather that storm yeah i mean there's got to be some mental fatigue as well right it's not just your body grinding down but and just they were the, traveling a lot like they did have yep. three straight matches on the road that definitely plays a hand in it as well thankfully they got two more home matches so maybe that will get them a little bit more refreshed not as much traveling not as much logistics you have to figure out it's kind of like all right you're back you're chilling at your house mm-hmm. Sleeping in a bed is a lot better than sleeping in a hotel bed. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it's a short week this week, um, you know. But then you got a week off. You get you got a more much more normal schedule the rest of the way. Um, so let's talk about uh, what else happened in the league, and then we'll we'll do a look ahead here and uh, and wrap it up. But on Wednesday last week, a wild one. I know you pay attention to these games for Walking Ninety, so feel free to chime in at any of these. But um, wild one last Wednesday, Omaha four, North Carolina three. This is wide open from the very beginning. North Carolina, two big chances in the first five minutes, but then it's Omaha. It gets on the board first. Uh, Pedro de la Bella on a header from a free kick, and then North Carolina hit right back just a minute or two later on a counterattack. Garrett McLaughlin finishing that one. Joseph Brito gets another for Omaha in first half stoppage, and then the Owls had two more from Steven Dos Santos and Noe Meza. North Carolina did make it interesting. They make four subs at once in the 77th minute, which is wild. Uh, and then they got rolls, goals from Rafa uh, Metzingen, and then Preston popped deep into stoppage time, but it was that was kind of too little too late. Um, th- that set the record for most straight wins with seven. Uh, also Wednesday night, Northern Colorado uh, 3-2 over Lexington. Hailstorm get out to a 3-0 lead. Goals from Marco Hernandez, Arthur Rogers, and Noah Powder. Honestly, could have had a couple more, a couple great oh, yeah. saves from all night. I had a good night. Um, Lexington did claw back into this one through uh, Phila Domini and uh, got his first goal of the season. And then Don Smart converted a penalty in the 86, but that was all they could manage. Um, Charlotte uh, 3-0 over Chattanooga. Uh, See, this is a team like Charlotte beats the teams they should beat. This is so frustrating. Uh, First goal uh, comes 68 minutes into this one. In a downpour, it was a torrential downpour over there. 
Uh, Treasure Mbuyu scored that. Then the Jacks get one, another from Corey Bennett in the 81st. And then um, Corey Bennett actually had a penalty saved late in this one, but then uh, Luis Alvarez sealed it with a third goal right in the 90th. Um, North Carolina, North Carolina go to Greenville and get a 2-0 win. Rafa Mensingen converts a penalty in the 11th minute. Jaden Cervania adds a tap in later, and that's all North Carolina would need. Greenville manages one shot on target in this match. I don't know. Um, Omaha gets extends its own record with a 2-1 win over Richmond to get its eighth straight. Pedro Dolabella and Luis Heal both tallying the second half. They did give up an own goal in stoppage time to make it interesting, but they did hang on to win their eighth straight. And then on Sunday, a couple of Sunday matches, which was kind of fun. That was such a bad idea. <laughs> Why were you putting uh, matches out of one of the NFL? Sunday? We're going to play USL League One soccer. Uh, <laughs> Pedro Fonseca put Tormenta on top uh, just after the half hour mark against Northern Colorado. And then the hailstorm would come back to level this in the 71st to Daniel, Daniel Robles. And then Robert Cornwall got the winner in the 88th. On a header from a throw-in, which is kind of cool, kind of cool looking. Don't see uh, that really. You don't. And see then that. Uh, no, you don't see that very often. Um, and then uh, Lexington do the Madison thing and allow a stoppage time equalizer at home. Uh, uh, no, it wasn't at home. Sorry, it was it was in Central Valley. It was in Fresno. Uh, Fuego two, Lexington two. Ates Diouf gets a brace. He opens the scoring on a header. Finish an incredible cross from Tate Robertson. Assist of the week, easy. Um, Alex Ritos then tallied for Central Valley, and then uh, Diof got his second goal on a penalty. And then uh, Angel Ruelas finished the equalizer three minutes into stoppage time uh, to um, break the hearts of Tyler Crane and all his Lexington friends. Um, so after all that shakes out, Madison actually gains a spot on the table, as you mentioned, because Greenville loses, so we jumped over them into fifth. But we're still only two points clear of the line. Now what's interesting about this season um, last year at this time, I think it was like first to sixth were separated by like five or six points or something like that. Something crazy like that. This week, this year, it's uh, 13 points at this point between first to sixth. So you don't have quite the congestion at the top of the table that you have in the past, which means that you don't have that thing where every match has ripple effects in every other to every other team. You know, so that, uh, you know, what Knoxville does, what Greenville does will affect us. But like what Northern Colorado, Omaha does really doesn't at this moment except when we're playing them. So we don't have to watch every other team in the table necessarily. Um, but we are home versus Richmond on Thursday, as we mentioned. Then we're uh, then home versus Northern Colorado Wednesday. And I think staying at home, not having to do any travel days for like three full weeks, it's got to be good, right? It's got to be uh, – got to have some sort of advantage. Um, as you mentioned, we only played Northern Colorado once so far, so we got them twice. We get uh, them again on – we're at – Northern Colorado on October 7th. In between there, we are at Charlotte on the 23rd, home versus Lexington on the 30th, and, uh, and then we finish up at home October 14th versus Omaha. It is conceivable that we would play Omaha at home to finish the season and then have to go there to play them in a playoff game the next week, which would be <laughs> pretty amazing. Um, I think uh, we need at least I think we need like 12 points out of these six games. And that's a tall order, right? Two points a game. It's tough because part of me is thinking, well, the good thing is with a little bit more of a gap, you're not like a draw doesn't necessarily crush you. It is going to be hard. But I think the, the interesting thing though, is Greenville will play Knoxville on Saturday. 
And that's one of those games oh, right. where you actually hope for a draw. Yep. <laughs> you, yep. You hope status quo is fine with those two behind us. Right. With those two, it does feel like, I think it was a couple weeks earlier, I was like, if it's with Knoxville and Tormento, it's kind of a, a draw hurts both teams, but uh-huh. you kind of need to win in order to keep your chances. Knoxville wins it. So it kind of almost effectively knocked Tormenta kind of it. They're still there because mathematically no one has been eliminated yet. But I, I think with Madison, it's kind of interesting because you get the schedule necessarily isn't the easiest, but that might not be the worst thing for Madison. While for Greenville, it, it looks on paper not too, too hard. I mean, they get Knoxville, then they have Richmond, they get NOCO, but then they have Chattanooga and Fuego back to back. Before mm-hmm. the ending of the season, that Lexi, like Greenville schedule looks on paper to be a better chance for them. It's favorable, right? It's more favorable. And then you kind of look at Knoxville and you're thinking, okay, what about their schedule? How does that look at, in comparison to Madison? And Knoxville's is, I mean, it's not a cakewalk, but it's not hard. I mean, Greenville, then Tor- at Tormenta, at Charlotte, home against Richmond, at North Carolina. So it is, there are definitely some tall tasks out there. So I think 12 points is a tall task, but I, I think 10 is the minimum. I think if you can get 10 points as a minimum, you, I, I think that puts you in a better place yeah. to at least get a playoff spot. Now, if Madison wants to get a four seed, it's going to need to do some work to make up the five oh, points yeah. on Charlotte. Okay. Yep. But I think 10 points is a doable minimum that they should aim for. Yeah, considering you know playing Noko twice and Omaha, I mean they've played them, they've played Omaha well all year, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you can't go in assuming three points. And plus, we don't know what Omaha is going to be doing. You know that final week, like are they going to go in? Like maybe and say with Noko those final matches, are they going to kind of the playoff implications? What are they going to do? Are they going to kind of yeah know, rest maybe some of the key guys? Are they going to go for it? it It'll be interesting to see, but ten well, points. It'll, it'll, be, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if they're if Northern Colorado and Omaha are still jockeying for position or not when they right. when they come play us right now. But also, you, as you noted, Madison has played the level of competition, so maybe it's even though these teams our our schedule looks difficult because all these many of these teams, Charlotte, Northern Colorado, Omaha, are ahead of us in the table. But the season historically, like those are the teams we play well against. Right, we did lose to Northern Colorado way back in May, which is so that's almost irrelevant, really. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, the Northern Colorado has looked not unbeatable anymore. They they had a they had a wobble. They've turned it around. I think they've they won have, four they have straight but, matches now. Um, but they look so less they, invincible than they did. Yeah, the wins have definitely been scrappy. They've had to pull yeah. it out with, mm-hmm. but they are turning that around, and I think. It's funny because on the one hand, if you're Madison, you're thinking, okay, you're playing a team that has not won a game in over two months. This is a good time to try and get back in form. You're also playing a team that hasn't won a game in two months and it's a derby. That doesn't matter. Everything right. goes out the window. <laughs> right, right. And and it's, I mean, it's got to be difficult to beat the same team three times in the same season. I don't, right? I think North Carolina's the only one that's done it this year to Greville and mm. that might be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it is a it, we can't necessarily you know guarantee three points this this week Thursday. So not. <laughs> everybody come out, be there, be loud for the guys, um, and uh, uh, then so if we get a win on Thursday, 
watching that Greenville Knoxville match on Saturday will be much less stressful, right? If we if we get a, a point or zero points on Thursday night, like we could get leapfrogged in the table if we're you know on while well, we're sitting idle on Saturday. So um, we hope we really really could use three points. So come out on Thursday. I'll be there. Kyle, you be there. I'll be, be there. You'll be there. Any derby, you gotta be there. Uh, I know, Absolutely. I know there's uh, folks coming from out of town. Our friend uh, Dave from the Flamingos is coming to town, so should be a should be a great night. Um, uh, watch your feed tomorrow. Uh, we will have uh, tomorrow morning. So as you, we're dropping this on Wednesday, the the match is tomorrow night. Tomorrow morning, oh, I didn't even mention this to Ozzy, but uh, tomorrow morning we're dropping our interview with Ozzy Ramos, the newest Mingo. Really nice conversation with him. Uh, he has seems to have a really good mindset now. What what I was going to mention to him and I forgot to do was uh, last time we had a new Mingo here, Pierre de Silva. Uh, I did an interview with him. Dropped that on the game on the morning of the game day, and that night he had a goal and an assist. So I think Ozzy needs Ozzy's going to score. Uh, I mean, he because, might start. So yeah, it is possible. <laughs> yeah, well, let, but let's starting. talk about that. So Ozzy might start, um, just given that it's a short week and 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 Wheels is you know not entirely healthy yet, um, and obviously Martinez is out. Uh, but who's gonna who's gonna start up top? Like with Cheney out, Morrow out, uh, is, is it gonna be Onan and Francis? Um, is it gonna was- be? Oh, is, is Bartman going to play like a false nine? I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I can see Silva coming into the starting lineup as well, since he does, sure. he is kind of able to play more in an attacking role. So, yeah, wouldn't put it past it. I, I would say either Ramos starts and that moves Bartman higher up with Onan, or the uh-huh. Silva starts. And I don't know how that looks and how that will work. <laughs> and I'm just at this point thinking, again, Baptiste might have a chance. I Baptiste, if, he, if there's a time to kind of take the game, and I mean, he played decently well last time they played Richmond, so who knows? Yeah, sure. Uh, we're, we're gonna see the, the debut of the 271 formation. No, I don't know, <laughs> it uh, might just be a flat back. You know, there might be the most defensive thing we've ever seen. I'm going to hate it with a passion. I don't know. <laughs> that actually, you know, that you might be right about that. That, that could be because this match will be a one like zero, probably it'll probably be a one zero, like every other Henny Derby. Yep, and we'll take it because we're going to have the one and they're going to have zero, and it's going to be great. Uh, Talk and Flock is a production of Soda Soccer Network, produced by Jeremy Rushing, hosted by me, Rob Chappell. With me today again, Kyle Carr. Thank you so much, Kyle. No problem. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a good day, everybody. See you Thursday.